You're listening to Dumped, the podcast where we dump diet culture and our feelings every episode. We started Dumped as three UT Austin students and friends that are passionate about eating disorder awareness and recovery. We wanted to create a safe space to share difficult stories, commiserate with one another, and destigmatize what can be a very isolating illness. Throughout these episodes, we hope to raise other voices in the eating disorder community and encourage more transparency, healing, and recovery. To our listeners, we hope that this podcast can become a safe space for you just as it has become for us. A place where you can feel supported by strangers or just learn something new through the stories of others. So with that being said, we hope you enjoy. Hey y'all, welcome to the first episode of Dumped. Before we jump into it, we figured we'd introduce ourselves. So I'm Courtney. Yeah, I'm Nicole. Hi guys, I'm Liv. And we're your co-hosts, and we just wanted to share a little bit about us and how we know each other. I met Liv through an um, online publication here at UT called Burnt X. Yeah, I mean, to say that we met is honestly underselling it because <laughs> she was my boss. Let's be real, my supervisor. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed getting to rekindle during this class and uh, making this project together. But I met Nicole last year during a magazine writing class, which was super fun. And I feel like I got to know her a lot creatively. Yeah, and I feel like in that class, we really bonded over how we're both in eating disorder recovery. And when we got when I got introduced to Courtney, um, hey. we all came together and we're like, wait, we're all so passionate about our eating disorder recovery. Let's make a podcast about it. And that's what we did. What you're about to hear contains strong language about eating disorders, body image, and death. Some listeners might find these topics graphic or distressing. If that's you, please continue with caution as you listen to this podcast. Part one of this episode, we will be talking about Courtney's eating disorder journey. So yeah, let's get right into it, Courtney. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so obviously I go to UT with y'all, hook them horns. But in my spare time, I spend a ton of time with my two mini Aussies. I'm obsessed with them. They are like my full siblings. And I'm a big, um, big fan of brunch, so always brunching. And I like to spend a lot of time with my fiance, Logan. And I'm currently in recovery for orthorexia and anorexia. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what your relationship was like with eating and food whenever you were a kid? I was really lucky, actually, because when I grew up, I grew up in a household where Food was not good or bad. You know, my mom stayed home with me, and I think I had a lot of benefits with that because, you know, she spent so much time with me, and I was able to really get a good sense of self. I was always a confident kid, a creative kid, and as far as, like, weight and stuff, I was always just really average. So I didn't have to deal with people poking and prodding me and being like, you should lose weight or anything, like, outside of the home either. And, of course, like, I saw things on TV and in school as I got a little older, that were, you know, now what I recognize as diet culture influences. But as a kid, I was always like, yeah, food, whatever, you know, and I had my favorites, but I ate a really, probably, you know, just like a regular kid. It was balanced and I had a lot of confidence and my family never made us feel any type of way about it. We were all very different body types because I have two siblings, an older brother and sister, so they are six and seven years older than me. Wow. And none of us have the same body type. We look like siblings in the face, but we all were really different growing up. So my parents, like, they never compared us or anything, so I was lucky. I do think I was 
I have a lot of the personality traits that I have now. And, you know, I was always a perfectionist and it's easier to see that looking back. And even like some of those tendencies of anxiety, like my mom said when I was little, like very little, a couple of times, like I'd be upset about something and I would dig my nails into my palms. And she was like, what's going on? You know, I was little. And then in third grade, I developed like a habitual cough. (laughs) So I would just go like every few minutes and people would be like, bless you. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I was always like, shut up. I was like, it's obviously a cough, you know, and it's like, well, you do it every two seconds. So no one can tell. Um, But that was totally anxiety. There was nothing wrong with my lungs. Um, Spent a lot of time and money at a lung doctor, but nothing wrong. (laughs) I just had anxiety and I didn't. Um, as much as my parents, I think, were really good about trying to get us to, like, talk about our feelings and, like, we were all very close and open, I think I'm a prideful person. And when you're young, I think some of those things are just – it's. I think it's a little bit harder to latch on to when you don't know what it is. Right. I feel like, um, you know, listening to Nicole's story and, like, a few other people in the eating disorder community, um, that's not always the norm, you know? Like, some people develop these um, connotations of, like, good or bad foods, like, super early on in their childhood. Um, when do you think you started to see that shift of, like – Uh, wanting to restrict your diet or wanting to change your health patterns. Uh, When did that happen for you? Oof. Yeah, it was, I had like a perfect storm, honestly, like my sophomore year or so. One of the first things I remember that got me thinking about it, but was pretty far before I had any relationship problems with my food was in health class. We had to hold like vials of fat from like McDonald's meals. Oh my God. Which <laughs> one, ridiculous. you know, just not, it's not a very fun, like I'm not, I don't do well with medical things. Like I hate medical things. Like it makes, it just makes my skin crawl. hundred um, percent. And like, so when it gets too sciencey for me, I'm a little like, mm, you know, so we had to, and then we had to watch like super size me and a little, a lot of fear mongering in terms of like, you eat this cookie, you're going to die. <laughs> you know, and you're just yeah, like, big mm, well, I'm uh, worth it. it. You know, <laughs> so I was just like, so I remember kind of being like, oh, like, I don't think about things that way. Maybe I should, you know, that was a lot of salt in the vial, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. um, but for me, it really started in my own mentality when my grandma got sick, my Grammy, she was my dad's mother. And She was the third grandparent within just a few years to get diagnosed with cancer. And at that point, I started to be like, whoa, (laughs) because it felt it felt personal. It felt like this is going to happen to me. And I was I was scared. I mean, it's hard because cancer is something that is so and anybody that has known anyone that goes through it, you just feel so powerless. And seeing my parents having to deal with it and I had seen my mom lose her mom and then her dad within just months of each other. And it was terrible. And then obviously, you know, a couple, two years, three years goes by or so. I'm a little older and then it happens again. And I was like, I can't have people crying over me like this. Like, I can't have this happen. And it was more of like I, I wanted to protect other people, like my future kids and stuff. Like, I wasn't even really thinking about, like, oh, I don't want to get cancer and die. There was a little bit of that. But it was mostly like I didn't like the pain associated with it. And so I was, like, kind of Googling, like, all right, is there any, like, genetic components to this? Like, how do you keep yourself healthy and, like, you know, just not get sick and stay alive, you know, and things like that. And pretty quickly I was on a social media spiral because there's all sorts of people and robots pretending to be doctors. (laughs) And I was Googling all sorts of, like, healthy meal ideas, workouts, you know, benefits of, like, doing fake finger flexes and 
you know, heel <laughs> lifts in the shower and like crap like that. Like right. I, you know, because everything has a benefit, right? Like the of charts course. with like the body, and it's like, wow, like drink one tablespoon of salt water a day and you'll live forever. Right. And I was kind of like encompassed with all that. And of course, the algorithm, right? The more you look at healthy stuff and workouts, the more it's going to show you. So I quickly was seeing more of that content. And I also was like, you know, it wouldn't kill me to do more exercise. I mean, I felt like I had a boyfriend who's now my fiance. So that was going good. I was doing really well in school. I was already anxious about what my next steps were going to be, you know, SAT, ACT, college, all that. Like, I just saw it, you know, down the road, and I was already getting scared. And then my Grammy and my friends, like, I had friends, so I felt like, oh, like, everything else is going well, and there's just, like, this one health component that it's good, but it could be better. And it was always about... I think for me, it was the mindset of like, I'm a good daughter. I want to be the best daughter. I'm a good sister. I want to be the best sister. I'm a good girlfriend. I need to be the best girlfriend. And I'm a good student, but I need to be the best student. And so I think it really all started with all of those things coming together at like the perfect worst time they could. That makes sense. I mean, I think that that's very common too. that like perfectionist spiral. Um, I think too, like just the context of like, I remember I was the same way. Like when I was in high school, like I had a Pinterest board that was like pretty much like thin spell. Like it was the time where like everyone was talking about thigh gaps and like um, fad diets were still pretty popular. Um, So I totally relate to you there. Um, What were kind of the first like behavioral changes? Like you had been thinking about this, you'd kind of been brewing on like wanting to to improve your health. Um, So what were some of the first changes that you made and kind of what was that? When did it start as like, I want to be bettering my health? And when did it become like, this is hurting my health? The first thing I remember doing was mostly focusing on like the exercise portion and a little bit of the eating. So like at first I was, we had this treadmill that was collecting dust (laughs) since like 2005 and it was upstairs. And I was like, you know, I have it and I'm not, I am a little bit of an anxious person and it's hot in Texas. So I didn't exactly want to run outside. So I was like, oh, like we have that. It's just sitting upstairs, you know, like I could easily, and like, you know, typically to run like a mile, only takes like, you know, less than 15 minutes. So I was kind of like, okay, like I just want to be able to just want to be able to like run a mile and like do it well and, you know, all that good stuff. And so I started doing that pretty much every night. And at first it was a half a mile because I wasn't exactly like in any type of like endurance, you know, shape. I just like I would walk and I would do some other stuff. But I'd start out as like the half a mile. And then I found the paleo diet. Uh-oh. <sighs> Yeah. Will you explain the paleo diet just in case no one knows what it is? Yeah. And I may not even get this right anymore because it quickly was that went out. Like I didn't really commit to it that long. But it's basically like the whole idea is like eating like your ancestors, which (laughs) I will say my ancestors. Well, part of them came over from Sweden like late, like Ellis Island. Like we got everyone here and made sure, you know, was we could come over, you know, waiting it out. And. You know, in Sweden, there's, like, traditions of, like, you know, eating your, like, chocolate cake with your coffee and, like, how the British do afternoon tea. And, like, I was just, like, why did we even come over here? But, anyway, (laughs) why did we leave that? Um, But it's, like, eating, like, you're, like, even older than that. Like, eating, like, your, you know, hunter-gatherer ancestors. Yeah, and I actually just did a quick Google search for our viewers. So, like, a paleo diet quickly includes... It typically includes like lean meats, fish, fruit, veggies, nuts, and seeds. So kind of 
like that hunter. I feel like yeah. I feel like our ancestors probably wish they were eating that good. I feel like it was whatever (laughs) they could find. Yeah, and I so I started being like, and one of the like parts of it is kind of just like you know an emphasis on not eating things that are like processed and. Um, which I would later find out is a very weighty term because pretty much everything we eat, even your tomato, is processed. So, but you know what I what you think about when you think of like quote unquote junk food and stuff. Right. So not eating that. Lots of vegetables. Really big emphasis on meat, um, and that quickly turned into low carb. Which and then I started being in that mindset of like, oh, the weekends are my cheat days. Which I feel like you know. I wasn't exactly a gym bro, but I still have my cheat days, you know. So I was like, I was like, it's just kind of funny looking back because I was like, oh, went to school all week, but this is, you know, now it's cheat day. I'm hanging out with my parents. I'm going to eat this. And, you know, usually when I would say that, it was like a normal thing that I'd be eating. Like, I mean, you know, what high schooler doesn't eat a burger and fries, right? Exactly. You know. Yeah, I was going to kind of ask you real fast, like, what did a quote unquote cheat day look like for you? So basically, like I said, it was pretty much always on the weekends because I was pretty meticulous with like what I was eating at school and stuff. And like I said, you know, I was I kind of started out looking into the paleo and then it kind of transitioned into low carb. And I would just, you know, if like my family went out to a restaurant, I would get something like, you know, just like a sandwich with a salad or whatever. Or like I would eat the cookie, um, something like that. So. Just basically, I would then eat more carbs. Is like my was my right. cheat day, but I would still do the exercise. <laughs> so I wasn't giving that part up because I felt like I had to do it pretty much every day. Um, and then it did kind of eventually get to a point where I was not just eating low carb; I was eating like no carb, but in a you know in a sense, way that actually makes sense. It wasn't no carb because I was eating fruit and everything like that. It was just no bread. Yeah, and that is all forms of bread, right? Yeah, so I wouldn't eat bread, like just, you know, regular bread, bagels, cookies, cake, um, anything that was breaded was usually a no, noodles. Um, Sometimes I would make an exception for rice because this is where that orthorexia comes in and that hyper-focus on, like, health and nutrition and, like, what you think of as healthy. So if it was, like, a piece of grilled chicken with, like, boiled zucchini and a little bit of rice... I still felt like that was healthy. Not good. <laughs> right. I'll tell you that. It's not good, but I would feel like, oh, it's healthy. Or like sushi. Um, you know, that's it was, it's pretty low calorie, so I would feel like, oh, that's healthy. I can eat it. But breading and stuff I didn't make exceptions for at yeah. all. What Can you kind of explain to me, like, the timeline of, like, so you start making these health changes. How long in between do you think it was, like, I'm just going to eat a little bit, quote, unquote, cleaner to, like, I am now, like, heavily restricting carbs, and then also, like, I was just walking a few miles, just trying to exercise, move my body more, until, like, I am running or walking every single day, like, not giving myself a break. It was a pretty quick turnaround, you know, what started with, like, a, oh, I'm going to use oat flour instead of regular flour, and that, within, like, a month, I would say, kind of turned into, all right, like, just lower carb, whatever about the oat flour, And then the major turning point was I got a Fitbit for Christmas. And the story was that my parents were getting my sister one because, you know, they were kind of like the new thing that everybody had to have. I think it was like the Fitbit Alta or whatever. And they were getting her one because it was on super sale. And then they were like, ah, you know, we can't let the little one not get, (laughs) you know, we can't we can't leave her out. So they were like, what's the harm in another stocking stuffer or whatever? So they got me a matching one. 
And my mom said, like, looking back, they, I mean, they had so much guilt over this and they hated themselves for it. But she says, because when I was little, I wouldn't react if something was like, like, you know, the stickers that you get if you read the whole page correct or like Mm -hmm. the stick in the cup. Like, I didn't react to any of those types of like reward systems. And she thought the Fitbit was similar. So never in her wildest dreams would she would have imagined that something like that could happen. And so as soon as I got that, you know, it comes with the app where you can track your calories and compare it and gets you in the green or the red. And if you meet your step count, it does the little fireworks on the screen. And I, you know, I pretty much I put it on immediately, hooked it up. I was really excited because I think by that point, like I'd probably it had probably been like two or three months from like when I started to like when I got the Fitbit. So I think like I'd lost a little bit of weight, like nothing like not not really like more than like one size different like for myself. Right. Um and so you know, I nobody would have thought anything of it. And at that point I think it was just pretty much disordered behavior and like maybe some compulsive tendencies with the exercising every single day. But when I got the Fitbit, it was like I mean, it was like in the scene in Breaking Dawn. I'm also a huge Twilight fan. <laughs> Aren't we all? When Twilight. Jacob imprints on Renesme. It was like, I just, it was like a moment, like I just saw it and it, you know, I put it on and I was just like, wow, like my whole life just came together to later fall apart. But I didn't know that yet. So I was hopeful. And I remember as soon as I got it, like that night, you know, it's like literally Christmas and I'm like, going to go on a run, you know, try out my new Fitbit. And um, I was walking up the stairs and we have like this corner that you have to turn to go into the, well, it's just like kind of a cutout that juts out of our bonus room. And I was walking, and I smacked my wrist because I wasn't used to having anything on it. And, you know, it comes out, like, a couple inches. Smacked it on the wall, and I'm like, I wish it just would have shattered. <laughs> because yeah, my parents would have been like, yeah, you're not getting another one. You just <laughs> broke it within hours upon receipt. But I wish it would have just, like, shattered because it just – I dinged it, and it had this little, little tiny scratch. And I was, like, freaking out just because, you know, new piece of technology. Of course. And my sister, like, checked it because she was on the computer, and she was like, oh, it looks fine. Like, you just got a little – and I remember from then on, I was like, oh, really got to be careful. Like, this is a piece right here, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> I wish I would have just shattered it on the wall. But, wow, yeah. You know, and then from there – once I got the Fitbit, that's when I was like, well, I got to meet my step count. You know, like, what if the Fitbit gods <laughs> come after me? Like, I felt <laughs> I got a lot of, I got a lot out of, I think because I am a perfectionist and I do like to get things done. Like, I get a lot of, I get like a high off of that. And so when it would be like, oh, you reach your step count, I was like, haha. Another thing to check yeah. off the list. And that made me feel really good. So I think it was just a little, you know, it got me like that dopamine or whatever. I completely relate to you. Like I had a similar experience. Like I had the Fitbit surge. So like you could see your little text messages on there. Mm-hmm. So like no one had had an Apple Watch at this point. Like I felt super bougie. And I remember like when you hit those, like when you went up all your stairs and you would hit your exercise goal and the 10,000 steps, like it did a whole on party on your wrist. And like <laughs> I would like live for these things. Like it really honestly also had a big contribute contributing factor to um, my unhealthy patterns and relationships with food so did you ever receive like any compliments on your bodies from other people in high school oh yeah I think as so, so the initial like weight loss for me like at first like I said up until I got the Fitbit it was like you know like a size or so um, and so, like, my some people close to me noticed for sure, but, like, not, you know, not really anyone else. But then after that, it was a significant amount of weight in, like, three or four months. Um, wow. So several sizes. 
And this one girl, I remember I was bending around because, you know, if you're near the outlet at school, you plug in people's phones like you're in a community seat. And so (laughs) you belong to the people. And so she was like, hey, Court, like, will you plug in my phone for me? And I was like, sure thing, girly. So I take her phone charger and I'm like turned around. So, you know, you get like a side profile, a little bit of ribs. And she was like, wow, Court. When did you get skinny? And I'm like looking back, I was showed up and like, when did you learn to like mind your own business? Oof. Damn, you know. But yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I was just like, oh he he he, you know, like you know, I've just been working on myself, you know. And I that was you know some gratification for me at the time, and I certainly was getting a lot of positive feedback, especially since this was the era of the Finsta, right? So, and I'm sure I'm sure they still have them, but now I'm aging myself. But this was you know when we all started having those accounts where we we're just like, ugh, like no one understands me, like college. All of the angsty teen core. Yeah, like (laughs) angst. Yeah, and like people being like at this party, like wonder if there's going to be anything illegal here. Hashtag I hope. You know, like that, like just that kind of stuff. And, you know, I would just post, and I'd never really posted anything, especially because, you know, I definitely was always like, okay, like this, you know, this is the internet, you know. So I was a little bit probably less risky than a lot of people, but I would, you know, post like the bikini picture that didn't make the feed or post about like, you know, oh, look at my fruit plate I'm eating or whatever. And I would get a lot of praise from that. Like, people would be like, oh, my gosh, body goals. And I would get, like, several DMs about, like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you look amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I did a couple of times post, like, weight updates. Not like, – I never said, like, the exact numbers or anything because I think I was pretty aware that, like, you know, you just don't do that. But I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm X amount of pounds down, like, feeling really good or whatever. And people would, you know, people would be like, oh, congrats. Because, you know, we as a society associate weight loss as, like, a totally positive thing even in minors, and so all my peers would, you know, a lot of them, you know, all all girls, but they would message me, and they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, I, you know, I need to get on this plan that you're on, and I would just be like, oh, I don't eat bread. Oh, Jesus. And they'd be like, what? Like, I think they thought I was messing with them, and I was like, just stop eating bread. Easy, you yeah. know, and I was like, I was, you know, at this point, fully in my disorder, but it was like, I, every time I got online, it seemed like I was either getting like, oh, skinny queen, like, you know, that's pretty much every like skinny queen, skinny queen, skinny queen. Uh, it's a tongue twister, but it was constant <laughs> and it was skinny legend. That's a little bit newer, but yeah, <laughs> it was constant. Yeah. And how did you feel when you received those messages? What was running through your mind? I think like my true self was like, oh, that's like weird, but nice. You know, because it is like an odd compliment. It's like, oh, I can see your bones. Looks amazing. Like it's weird. But my eating disorder was like, ooh, oh, yeah, like we're going in the right direction. Exactly. So it was It was, like I said, it was, like, instant gratification. And that's a lot of what social media is, like, the likes and stuff. But um, it was – it just felt instantly, like, okay, like, you're not doing anything bad. You're so healthy. You're an iconic queen. Like, play paparazzi by Lady Gaga again. Get on that treadmill, girl. Like, it was, like – it was a hype me up. Yeah, and I feel like that's a really important topic to talk about because I know for a lot of people who I know who are in recovery, a lot of them got their eating disorders – from like this one person who were just like, oh, you look, you look like you dropped some weight. And then they've never thought about their body before in their life. And then all of a sudden they're dieting and then disordered eating. And then that develops into a full-blown eating disorder. So I think it's a, an important topic in our society that's not really talked about enough. Yeah. What do you, um, were you experiencing any like physical signs of like maybe an eating disorder at this point? I was. And I think at first At first, I honestly just thought I had, like, a vitamin deficiency, you know, because it was um, right away, one of the first things that happened was my nails turned blue, like a royal blue color, almost all the way up until, like, the white 
part of the tip. Oh, and I remember like looking down and at first I, w- I was and I was cold all the time. But I thought like, oh, my nails are blue because it's cold. Um, and like, I guess I just thought they changed color with temperature. Don't know why they never got a spicy red. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, and I remember one of my friends, he was like, because, you know, we're in French class or whatever. And he was like, your nails are blue. Why? And like, and he was, well, at first he said like, oh, I like that color, like that you painted your nails. And then I was like, wow. they don't have paint on them. And then like, I looked down and he was like, oh, well, they're, you know, your nails are blue. And then I was like, oh, weird. And I did like tell my mom about it and stuff and like how I was always cold. And, you know, pretty much at first I thought, you know, I, I thought maybe, maybe some thyroid problems because those run in the family, maybe vitamin deficiency. Um, and then another, there were two other things going on at that time. Um, I was bruising really easily. And later, what would happen was as I slept, I'm a side sleeper, um, my knees would knock together and create heavy bruising on oh my, my knees. But um, that happened a little bit in high school, but it wasn't quite at that like knee stage. It was just like a little bit of bruising, not like super severe. And then um, I lost my period. So that's that is pretty common for, you know, malnourished people and people with eating disorders is losing your period and of course you know what do you think first time you know you're like oh god um (laughs) i was was like no and then um after that i was like okay wait a minute like it's not coming back um and you know throughout my like what i thought about is my weight loss journey my mom would be like all right like pump the brakes like you know you've done enough like you know your period's gone like what's going on and i would just blow her off and be like i'm you know And because it was coming from, like, a place of, like, I was doing yoga and I was running and I was eating nuts and I was eating 30 pounds of grapes a week. And and no, that's not an exaggeration. 30 pounds a week? Yeah, that's an expensive and unfortunate. I had cravings. Like, I craved grapes and I craved fish. So I would eat 30 pounds a week. And that was, like, one of my main – I would eat, like, fruit platters. And I was talking about, like – you know, like zero waste skincare. So they thought, my mom said she thought I was just a little bit like health nutty, like earthy. And like, you know, that's, they, I had had some of those tendencies as I grew up. Like I always kind of liked the outdoors and I liked hiking and stuff. So she was like, all right, like maybe this is a little bit of a personality, you know, coming into yeah. her own. Um, especially cause like I was, I was literally, I, I was in a training to become a yoga teacher. Like they thought this was kind of like just who I was like turning into as an adult and they, you know, they weren't trying to dull the shine. Like, if that's who I was, if I was going to go to Hawaii and work on a mango farm with, you know, while I did whatever, that's just kind of what they thought was happening. So even when I had lost a significant amount of weight, they were concerned and they would bring it up. And they did bring me to the doctor a couple of times, but it would just be, oh, she looks great, doing good, looking nice, you know, and they would just be like, well, you know, I, I guess this is just who she is. That's so fucked up. I think that's a huge problem with just doctors in general today. Yeah, and I think that that also, like, that point of, like, your parents just thought you were, like, earthy and, like, maybe more hippie. Like, that's so true, too, that I think that there honestly is, like, some type of, like, encouragement of, like, disordered eating patterns in these, like, holistic lifestyles. Like, 100%. We've talked, like, about, like, Freely the Banana Girl. Oh, like, yeah. fruititarian Raw diets. alignment or whatever. Yes, yeah, yes. there's a lot of, lots of YouTube channels out there. And, like, that's, that definitely can be like it was something that was like so accepted still corn sort of is accepted um 
and not really seen as problematic or signs of maybe you're slipping into disordered eating or developing an eating disorder. Yeah. And I think the social media at the time, like you said, it was really trendy then and it's still accepted now. But I mean, when I think about like this was like the era of several fad diets, like uh, like it was kind of like the start of keto getting big again. The biggest part of paleo, I feel like, was within that like 2015 through 17 kind of era. And then the YouTubers that were starting van life, you know, and doing all that kind of stuff. It was like the, it was really, it was like a perfect time for someone who maybe is kind of interested in like a little bit more earthy endeavors. Like I think it, it was, it it was like makes it very easy to hide an eating disorder and hide orthorexia under like, oh, like I'm just eating more plants for the earth or like, oh, like, you know, I just, right. I want to hike. And so it was, it was easy for it to hide, yeah. unfortunately. It sounds like a cover up. And okay. So like at this point, like, are you a senior in high school? Um, about to go to college maybe? Yeah. Senior year, pretty much. I, I lost a little bit more weight from junior year. And I remember I'd be so excited for the summers because I was like, I'm not chained to my desk anymore. Like time to walk my dogs and do my run. Then I would go to work and I, you know, as a cashier. So you're, you're up on your feet all day. The Fitbit's popping off, you know? <laughs> and then, and I remember I would literally go to work and I would bring I'd bring like a can of green beans and I was like, mm, dinner, you know? And I remember my friend, cause I got her job and she was like, what are you eating? You know? And I was like, oh, like I mean my dinner. Yay. You know? Cause I was always so hungry. And she was like, that's a can of green beans. And I was like, I brought some cheese. And she was like to put on the green beans. And I was like, yep. And I put a little bit of like mozzarella on the green beans and they're, you know, and like, I don't, I didn't have like a strainer either. So like just straight out of the, yeah. So everybody's going to get like a nice visceral reaction. I can like hear the opening of the, (laughs) oh, just like the wet sound. in the garage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, and I would like on my way home from my yoga teacher training class, I would chuck my food into the woods and then go home and be like, oh, like, thanks for packing my lunch, mom, or whatever, you know. And so, like, definitely some deceit started creeping in there. Or, like, I would tell people, like, oh, I'm allergic to gluten. That's why I can't eat the bread. Things like that. So senior year was really, like, all of that came together. Like, I think at that point I knew – I think – intuitively like I I had more of an inclination to hide it so I think at that point like a little bit of alarm bells were going off you know I'd put the Fitbit in my bra at prom and you know I wouldn't take it off really for anything except the shower because I wanted to protect it at all costs so when do you um so this is kind of like your senior year of high school Mm -hmm. can you take us into that what what that transition was like moving towards college because like I think that's such an important step too because like at this point you said you know you were being a little bit deceitful but now it's like you're on your own like there's no one to hide this from no one's gonna see you on a daily basis like what was that like yeah I think one thing that I didn't anticipate but when I started feeling that way I was like oh no like shove it down turn it off like don't feel this was when it was like time for college you know I'm obviously super stressed and I went to a school that was very much like you must achieve like you must get into the best school and you know as a good student I kind of took that personally like I really wanted to achieve those things so I already put a bunch of stress on myself from that and then I um I started feeling like well you know all these people are like, I'm done being under my parents roof I'm ready to I'm ready to go mm-hmm. off and spread my wings and I was like but I love them you know <laughs> I was like I don't want to not talk to them anymore I don't want to be far away from my boyfriend I don't want to not see my sister and brother you know I was like this is like this was it was not ideal for me I was not I was excited 
to go to the good school because, you know, I got into UT and I felt like, oh, good. I got into a good school just like I was supposed to. But I was not excited to leave. And so that, you know, again, that feeling of loss was kind of there. And I, you know, my eating disorder at that point was my coping mechanism and safe space. So I did have a desire originally to go further away to school. And that was pretty much all of my eating disorder. It was like, get as far away as possible. You can do whatever you want. Like, your mom won't be taking you to the doctor anymore and hoping they can figure out what's going on. You won't be getting questioned or told that you you can't go vegetarian because you already eat so little. Things like that. And so, you know, we settled on UT, and it's a wonderful school. So I, I was excited for that aspect. But right away, I was like, oh, I'm on, you know, I'm on my own. So the meal plan and everything. And I did have a roommate. And she was awesome. You know, we connected on one of those. It's like it's like dating when you're trying to find a roommate. That's one <laughs> thing is. I didn't anticipate. It really is. I was like, oh, gosh. I was like, I don't even remember how I got the first boyfriend now. Now I'm supposed to find a roommate? Like, and it was like, you know, you're texting the will they or won't they. Like, do you want to be my roommate? And it's like, oh, which which place should we pick? Like, I felt like I was on, like, a dating show. It was, like, it was stressful. And, you know, you're reading everyone's profile, and you're like, and you're like oh, it doesn't like The Bachelor. Next, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of going through those things, and... We settled on Jester, so we were going to live there. And, you know, luckily it was a renovated room, you know, but we were there and I, I didn't have my car. So already I'm feeling anxious because I'm like, I can't go home. And obviously that's not true. If I would have told my parents, oh, I need to come home, like I'm upset, like, you know, they would have come and got me. And, like, Logan had a car and he was out on his own at this point. But it was like I felt like, oh, I cannot, like I'm glued to this campus. And it also tied me to one thing my eating disorder loved, which was uh, homework. I loved, <laughs> I loved being an like a, a ninety nine was not good enough. So I immediately like dove headfirst into schoolwork. And at this point, I have foggy brain, so I can't remember anything. I'd read a whole page and be like, huh. Hmm. <laughs> like, what did I read? So I'd have to go back and I'd be going to the grocery store, you know, little Target on Guad. You'd go down the little stairs and into the store and I would go straight to the fruit section and I'd get a bag of mini Granny Smith apples, about 20 pounds of grapes. I'm sure my roommate loved me for this in our mini fridge, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Like, Ooh, free fruit. Yeah. My, <laughs> my bananas. Um, usually like a bundle of bananas, maybe a little bit of pineapple or something if I'm feeling crazy. And then I would get, like, um, salsa. Um, what was I putting it on? Literally nothing. Just eating it by the spoonful. And Wait, yeah. you were drinking it. Well, I wouldn't say drinking. Or, like, but soup or... <laughs> yeah, I had... Um, my doctor said I had a pico, which is obviously when you eat things that are not food. But, um, obviously, salt, you know, I guess a condiment is not really food, obviously. And I had, like, um, tomato cravings, like, ketchup packets. Like, I would suck it out like a little blood bag. Um, another so many times. <laughs> I, I can't stop myself. Treating us. Um, <laughs> but I would, you know, I would suck those out, like to the point where, like, this boy one time was like, "Oh, I brought you my extra ketchup packets." I think that's when I started to be like, "Oh, other people think this is like a weird thing." But like, people were so quick to accept it because you know these are people who you've never met. Like, they've never met the version of Courtney. That was fun and, like, just ate, you know, with her friends and did things. Like, they knew the Courtney that got up like a little robot, went to the gym, sucked on a couple ketchup packets, ate a bunch of grapes, did schoolwork all day. Like, they didn't know that that was different. So I think people, you know, and when you get to school, everybody's just looking for friends. Like, you just want to feel accepted. So I quickly, you know, became immersed, especially, like, my roommate had some people that were already here. And, you know, and who knows, they might have thought right off the bat that something was up. Like, I have no idea, but it at least seemed like 
I was pretty much being accepted. And I was pretty like, oh, yeah, like, I don't eat bread. Sorry, like, gluten-free. And people would be like, oh, this is a gluten-free pasta. And I'm like, I said I don't eat bread. <laughs> Whoa! Like, yeah. Just, like, just trying to help a roommate I stutter. Yeah, I was like, um, yeah. So, you know, there and there was definitely some people who probably got more of, like, the attitude. And I remember even, like, you know, I, I started a job here because, you know, the five clubs and two jobs I had in, in high school, that wasn't enough. I needed to immediately get here. I had, like, two jobs, and I was, like, joining all these clubs, so, you know, and I get here, and one of my bosses, he gave me, like, some Tiff's treats that were left over from a meeting, and I felt so bad because he handed them to me, and he was, like, so sweet, and, like, he really thought, like, I just made this young college girl's day. Like, I just gave her these cookies. She's going to go give some of them to her friends, like, because he was, like, so excited, and I took them. I walked into, like, the cafeteria because I was supposed to, you know, try and go eat, and I just like burst into tears, Aww. and like I threw the box. I like I think I like handed it to someone because like I didn't want them to go to like I still like a part of me right. was like okay you have these cookies. So like I handed them to someone, and then I just like cried in a bathroom stall for like forty minutes. That's so sad. And what else were you kind of feeling beyond this like sadness? Was there anything else? Yeah, I definitely I missed. Like, I, I was already kind of, like, mourning, like, you know, just being away, like, from my family and stuff. And I, you know, and my boyfriend, he came up several times. And, like, he would come up on the weekends. And we were doing all these Austin things. But, like, I was getting, like, I was so angry because I was, like, you know, I was hungry and I didn't feel good. And, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night and, like, I would think, like, oh, my gosh. Jester has the worst circulation. <laughs> like, I was just like, this is a terrible place to live because I felt like I couldn't breathe. And so I would sit up and I would just be, like, dry heaving. My roommate was probably, like, trying to ignore, you know? <laughs> like, I, I guess she was a heavy sleeper. And I had, like, a fan by my bed, and I would just be, like, a, like sucking in the fan air because I was like, I cannot get a breath. And I was, like, um, and I was waking up with, like, big bruises. And I would, like, um, and I would go into the, like, you know, the showers and it was, like, scalding hot. But, like, to me, it was perfect because everybody was always complaining, oh you know, in, like, the jester, like, chats and stuff. Like, oh, my gosh, the water's so, like, hot or so cold. And I, like, I, like, it was so scalding. It was, like, perfect. And I was drinking, like, um, I had a lot of excessive thirst, so, like, a couple gallons of water a day. And, at you know, the food restriction had gotten way worse, too, because I remember, like, you know, it's a lot of walking when you get to college, especially because yeah. I lived in jester. And I was attending most of my classes in Moody, which for people that don't go to UT, it's across the campus. And we don't have a huge campus here, but it was still across the campus. It's and a we, decent walk, and it's kind of uphill. Yeah, it's uphill. And so, you know, whereas most people, you know, just went about their lives and probably, you know, were like, oh, I'm hungry because I did all that, you know, exercise. Now I need to eat more. I was like, oh, good. Now my caloric deficit will be even bigger. And I would sit there and calculate, like, okay, how can I lose a pound within the next two days like okay and like my Fitbit I started setting my goals like lower and lower huh. so like where originally when I first got the Fitbit you know it was at the default of like 2,000 calories or whatever and then I eventually like took it to 1,800 and then for most of high school and it was like 1200 and then when I got to college it was like at between three and 900 was like oh, what shit. I would put oh. it at and um, so the Fitbit should like have an alarm that like reports you if you try to set 300 calories yeah. a <laughs> yeah. day. Like one, well, yeah, of and diet it, industry. And yeah. even I feel like if you are so if you're like constantly logging a certain amount, yes. it should either be like, hey, like, are you just not logging? Because that's fine. Or here's some, you know, here's some like places you can call or something. And I, and I, you know, my family came to visit, 
and they were like, you know, we were going to like some sort of like street fair, you know, because they want to come to Austin and see me. And they didn't tell me where we were eating. And I liked to obsessively look at all the menus and the oh, calories. Yeah. Oh, funny. yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. And I was getting, like, livid with my mom about, like, I was like, where are we going? And, like, I was suggesting all these, like, healthy places. And I was trying to, like, get on the menus. And I was trying to calculate what I was going to be eating. And she was like, what is, like, what is going on? What is your problem? Yeah, so you, you're you saying that, like, at this point, your family is, like, starting to notice. Like, was anyone, like, drawing concern? Or, like, what was that kind of like after you had left for college? My mom had taken me to the doctor right before I left, and I got some lab work. That was kind of, like, her last-ditch effort to be like, okay, but is this weight loss a problem? Is the way she's eating a problem? And I got the lab work back shortly after I arrived on campus, And I showed it to a friend of mine who was studying biology here. And she was just like, are these, like, you're sure these are your labs? And I was like, yeah, like, those are mine. Like, what do they say? Tell me all the good things that I'm doing for my super healthy body. And she was like, yeah, this, these don't look good. Like, these levels are everything, like, a lot of things were low, particularly the white blood cells. And she was like, yeah, like, you probably need to talk to your doctor about that. And I did. And the doctor was just like, eat more nuts, get a scale and um, drink some like protein shakes. And I was like, I'm already eating nuts, So perfect. I will get some low calorie protein shakes and I will get a scale so I can monitor my weight. Thank you. You know, it was like um, it, it was not it was not like an appropriate response at all, especially like when I'd been brought in a couple of times before. And then. I went home while my parents were away visiting family. I went home to hang out with my sister. And I was so excited to see her and, you know, hang out. And she brought me the first night, you know, she gets me from school. My boyfriend brought me to her, so she takes me out to dinner. And she got this, like, hummus vegetable platter because that's, like, the only appetizer I would let her get. And it comes in, like, within, like, two minutes of it hitting the table, it was all inside of me like I had eaten the whole thing and she was just like you know like hands still reach towards what could have been (laughs) and she was just like oh like you're you know you're hungry and I was like yep you know like the plate clacking you know like like, all around me eat yeah and like the hummus drained like you know and I so I destroyed that and then um you know I ate a lot of sides when I went out to restaurants at this point so before where I would still eat a lot of food I just wouldn't eat bread but it was still a normal portion By this point, I would get, like, the side of green beans with the side of spaghetti squash or, like, just those big, like, boats of broccoli, like, steamed broccoli. I would get that or just, like, a plain salad. So we did that, and she was, you know, she had been concerned for a a while, and so had everybody. So this was kind of, like, another, like, okay, what's going on? And I also, I did look pretty, like, you could see my chest bones and um, my, like, shoulders and everything. Like, I was a little bit more bony at this point. And we were at home, and she was kind of being weird about me going on the treadmill, which, of course, I was like, we're about to have to physically fight. Nothing's (laughs) getting between Courtney and a treadmill. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to have to whip out my hands on this. Like, I was like, what am I, you know, what's going to happen? And which, you know, like, she literally, at that point, probably could have just, like, snapped my wrist. And she was like, like, is there any way you could just run one mile instead of two? And I was just like, oh, my God, she's, like, insane, and she's obsessed with me. Like, this is so weird. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, I'm downstairs in my parents' room because that's where I was staying since they were gone, and I was changing. And I was, like, pulling. I was face. My back was towards the door. 
And, I mean, I didn't lock it or anything. You know, we're watching the dogs, whatever, people coming in and out. And I, like, start to take off my shirt so I can put on my pajamas. And she, like, walks in. And at first she kind of, like, gasps a little bit. Like, kind of like, and, you know, I just thought it was because, like, you know, she walked, you know, when you walk in on someone, you're like, oh, crap. Um, And then I, when when she left, you know, I kind of, like, turned around. We have a mirror right there. And, like, you know, I did see that, like, the bones in my back were pretty much exposed, like, my ribs and stuff. So that's what she was reacting to. And then the next day I went, Logan took me back to campus and she called my mom. I would find this out a little later, obviously. And she called my mom and was like, there was something wrong with Courtney. And she was crying and she was like, you know, I, I don't, I shouldn't have let her go back. Like I only let her go back cause she's, you know, with her boyfriend, like he'll make sure she eats something, but like something is wrong. And, you know, my mom is states away, like literally on the East Coast. And she was just like, so they're kind of like freaking out. And at this point, you know, I was kind of feeling like the jig was about to be up because not only did I, I think a part of me knew I'd like self-sabotaged enough. Like I'd kind of shown my sister the wild, like, you know, the kind of like the darkness or whatever of just like, you know, it was like crazy eyes and like you know, just, like, eating all the vegetables and, like, running. And, like, I think she saw that it was – I was, like, wired. It was, like, something was not right. Mm -hmm. And I went back to campus, and as I mentioned earlier, I – you know, I went to the gym, obviously, to access the treadmills. And I remember I I was running, and it it had been getting harder for a while. Like, instead of, like, where – you know, originally I was just on the up and up, and then it was getting harder – And I was like, and I just thought I had to, you know, I had to push myself more. Like I was slipping, you know, college was making me slip or whatever. And, you know, I had mentioned I had had the breathing problems and my nails were still blue after all that time, but I'd gotten crafty. I'd covered them up with acrylics and my hair was falling out. Um, And I was still like trying to tell myself, like, you just have low vitamins, you know, (laughs) like, and I remember I was on the treadmill and, and at this point we'd pretty much established that my parents would be paying me a visit. And unfortunately for me, The timeline does get a little blurry because your brain needs so many calories a day to function, and I was not getting those. Right, yeah. So I I don't really remember everything, and that's hard because I know there's people I've met, and I, like, think I know them, and I, I, like, I know one person even in our class. Like, I know for a fact had a full-on meal with this person, and I can't remember anything about it, (laughs) and I really can't remember them, and so that's kind of what I'm working with, so everything does get a little bit muddled, but I know at some point, like, my parents kind of had established they were coming to pay me a visit, and I'm, you know, I'm on the treadmill like I do, and I had, like, you know, the standard playlist. I'm not really, I'm kind of, like, the person who, you know, let's just say I'm glad Taylor Swift is re-releasing because, like, I just listened to, like, what I originally like until something really catches on, so I kind of had the same playlist um, since I'd had in high school. And, you know, usually I was listening to things like, and you guys are going to be like, oh my gosh, like this is such an eating disorder thing to listen to, like Gasoline by Halsey. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like Paparazzi, Lady Gaga, Serial Killer, Lana Del Rey, like just, you know, to give you the vibes. And then Phantom of the Opera, which at the time I thought was like a little less intense. Now I'm like, it, it was probably more intense. But anyway, um, so, you know, I had this playlist, but then on this particular day, I was running, and at first the song, like, Spirits by, like, the Strumbellas or whatever comes on. And, you know, it's kind of talking about, like, you're kind of, like, in the song. You're getting the sense of, like, someone's dying or something's happening. It's because, like, it's, like, just talking about, like, I don't want to, like, you know, 
I don't know. It's just kind of like yeah, something about you. Like you feel like it's someone's near the end or something. And like I don't want to like die while I'm living kind of vibes. Like, you know, I'm going to have this great life because I'm here. And I was like, huh, well, you know, we'll skip, <laughs> you know, not trying to listen to that. Um, and then um, Happier by Bastille came on and it was talking about like, um, like, I, you know, I want you to be happier. And then it was like, and you're, you're not going to be that with me. So I'm going to leave. And I started to get like really emotional. And I was like, what is going on? And then um, I can't remember the other song that came on, but I was just like, finally something like clicked. It was, it was something else that was about like the end of like life, basically, like another um, song about death. It might have even been If I Die Young, truthfully. <laughs> I think it wow. could have been. And I I just like stopped and I like started crying and I like and I left and I was like, I'm dying. Like all of these feelings have been like, it's not like something's wrong with me. I, I finally realized like the blue nails, the hair falling out, the way I feel like the obsessive checking of the phone, the like counting calories in my lemon juice that I'm adding to my water. Like I'm dying. And so my mom had messaged me about like the specialist that was in town. I'll call him Dr. T for the podcast sake. Um, and she had kind of been like, okay, we need to take you to see this person. This is a specialist. It's in Austin. We're going to come and take you to this person. And I'd been fighting it a little bit. But, you know, it was like that inner battle between myself and my eating disorder. And when that happened on the treadmill, like, I felt like a, I felt like something, like the universe intervened on my behalf and was like, wake the fuck up. Like, this is the end. This is it. And so I was like, I told her, like, and she had said, like, later, like, that evening or the next evening or whatever, she was like, hey, like, you know, I've read some reviews and, like, I don't know, like, is this the best person, you know, because they're dealing with a lot on their end, too, that I, you know, I can only imagine. And I was like, I told her, I was like, I called her and I was like in tears and, you know, I'd left a group meeting in tears, which, you know, that's always fun. And I was like, I think I, I think I have to go because I don't think I don't think I'm going to be here if I don't. And then I think that's when she was like, oh, OK. And, uh, you know, as you know, like, you know, you can't just like make an appointment and go the next day. So they had me call. um like a health hotline here or whatever. And I was calling them to try and get like appointments, try and get into support groups. Cause you know, at this point I'm not thinking I need to leave college. I, I definitely had that fear, but I was hoping like I would just get treatment and it would all be okay. And I could just go to a, you know, local therapist. And I, and I'm still kind of fighting that. Like I still wanted to believe the eating disorder, but at this point, you know, I'm still, I'm started fighting for myself and I'm on the phone with the person to like try and get into these groups and stuff. And she was like, well, are you suicidal? And I was like, no, but I don't think you get what I'm saying. I was like, I'm not trying to kill myself, but I am dying. And then, you know, I can only imagine, I'm like literally at the yeah. student center while I'm doing this. So Physically. I'm like person at the next table probably typing <laughs> like, oh, uh, <laughs> you know. And so I was like, I am literally going to die if I don't like see so. And so, and you know, they're just like, and she was just like, oh, like, you know. And then, so there was no help for me there. Um, which you, you already know, they got some calls from mama bear later, but, um, cause it's like, I don't feel like people are equipped to deal with like people with eating disorders. Now, of course, like you can have like coexisting things. Someone can 100% be suicidal and have an eating disorder, but the disorder itself, you're not trying to kill yourself. You're right. trying, it's a coping mechanism. You're trying to control something. You're trying to get what starts out as like, what started out for me is health. Like now it was, it was, it was personal. So, like, at this moment, like, was, uh, for, I know for me or for a lot of people with, like, eating disorders, we have this kind of, like, 
oh shit, like aha moment where we're like, I can't physically and mentally do this anymore. Like I want, I I need help and I'm, maybe I'm not necessarily like ready, ready, but like I, I need to do something about it because you know what you're going to say, I was going to die. And so is that really how you were feeling? Yeah, I 100%. Like, that treadmill moment for me, like, that felt like I felt like my world stopped turning. And I felt such a deep, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, with eating disorders, I think this is something that's so important for people on the outside. Like, you know, when your loved one is struggling, you feel such a deep connection. Because the eating disorder, it feels like a friend. Like, I've had a lot of therapists and like you know read a lot of articles and everything that like compares it's like it feels like a breakup <laughs> like it feels so deeply personal and i felt like dumping I, your ed sorry and i felt so stupid yeah yeah literally the podcast name i felt so stupid like i felt like i could finally like the the veil was lifted i felt like i saw it, it had been killing me the whole time and i felt like someone had just daggered me in the chest and then it was the hardest thing that i've ever gone through sorry <laughs> And, you know, I'm three, almost four years in recovery. And I still feel it. Like, it was, it could take me back. And, and I just, I knew that that was, I knew it was now or never. And so, and I knew that if I told my parents, they would help me. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Dumped. Here's what's coming next in part two of Courtney's eating disorder recovery story. And the doctor, he told me, you know, he's like knees to knees with me. And he tells me, right now you're on a plane and it's nose diving. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't want to be dead in two weeks... Because that's where you're at. I'm going to need you to pull up. And I'll never forget, like, we, we you, know, we, at, you know, at this point we kind of keep talking. Like, we're moving the story along. I was telling him, like, everything. And I said something along the lines of, like, when I saw my parent, when I saw my dad crying about my Grammy, you know, and he said it was the worst day of his life. Like, and I just, I couldn't let anyone lose me like that. And he was like, this is the worst day of my life. And I was like, <laughs> great <laughs> but I was just like I think then I I realized like oh god this this has ruined everyone you know like this is a it didn't just affect me like it didn't just almost kill me like this if I if something happens to me like this is this is everyone on the line and on that note thanks for tuning in to dumped We hope that through listening to this podcast, we can encourage an open discussion and increase awareness about eating disorders. Remember to take care of yourself and remember that your size, what you eat, and how you move your body does not define you. If you or a loved one are in need of help, you can call the National Eating Disorder Association toll-free confidential hotline at 1-800-931-2237 or check out the resources in our description.